I've since come to understand that the dream was to, in a way, reproduce a little bit of suburban Maryland. The American Embassy in Moscow. You say the American Embassy in Moscow, and you just you're in a you're in a million spy thrillers. It's an incredibly historic city, um, and yet the American Embassy has built this compound with quite little regard for for that history. Between the 13th and the 28th of February, Pushkin House and the Drawing Matter Trust will present a pop-up exhibition of recently acquired drawings of the US Embassy in Moscow by the architectural illustrator Carlos Dinesh. Now, these drawings show the US creating a micro-environment for its embassy, a feature that characterizes later examples of the typology, including the newly opened US Embassy in London at Nine Elms. In today's episode, we speak with three people, who will hopefully paint a better picture of what architectural visualization is, how that translates to the US Embassy in Moscow, and our upcoming exhibition, and somehow how all of this might have just been prompted by a few presidential tweets on the opposite side of the Atlantic. Neil Hobhouse, art collector and writer on architectural and curatorial issues, he is currently a trustee of the Drawing Matter Trust. Tim Abrams, who writes about architecture for The Economist and will also present a talk at Pushkin House on the 22nd of February in conjunction with the exhibition. You can pencil that one in. And our very own director of Pushkin House, Clem Cecil. We started all off with Neil. I think it's famously hard to describe what Dramata does. Um, it, the root of it is a uh, collection of several thousand drawings all in relation to architecture and to the process by which architecture is becomes built. So I'm, in a way, I'm less interested in the architectural drawing that looks like the building that we can all see in the street and much more interested in something that betrays how it came into being in, in, in the mind's eye of the architect, if you, if you like. Uh, more recently, in the last four or five years, we've started building a programme of exhibitions and educational initiatives uh, which try to articulate these subjects. Otherwise, it's simply a great heap of old drawings by dead men sitting in a farmyard in Somerset where I keep them. Carlos Denise was born in uh, 1928, grew up in Beverly Hills in California, um, half Brazilian. He is a very interesting figure in the history of architectural drawing, for the, 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 the niche world of architectural drawing, because he is one of the first people to professionalize the presentation drawings. So he steps away from architectural practice. He's not producing these in t- within the practice of drawing. He's not, he is given the plans, given the uh, sections, given the, the basic architectural material and told to create something which will, um, in initial terms, impress developers, um, impress clients, uh, impress the planning department who will give permission for the building to be built. Um, the particular story of uh, the Dennis drawings is that uh, Nicholas Olsberg, my uh, close colleague, 
uh, has worked with the Colstonis family for many years to try and find uh, appropriate institutional homes for the work of really the greatest um, architectural renderer, illustrator of the second half of the 20th century. And my question for Nicholas had been, uh, is there still intact within the archive that we could acquire, in, within the archive of California that we could acquire, a set of drawings for a single project that provides a complete explication of Dennis's process how he worked with the architect, how he then took that information back to the office, how they developed then a set of views for presentation to the client, for presentation to the uh, planners, whatever the conditions were, the politicians very often, uh, and then how those were developed in a series of stages into finished things that also became... Uh, the raw material of publication. And Nicholas's answer was that the only intact group related to the American Embassy, uh, Skidmore American Embassy project, which was started in the mid-70s in Moscow. Uh, and that, he said, sort of as a throwaway, there's a wonderful political backstory to this too, which at that time I didn't honestly really kind of um, connect with. What is really interesting is what happens to this architectural language when it comes to Moscow. You, you know, it's, 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 that's, that's, that's where the drawings, that's where things start falling apart a little bit. And he, they are brought in by the State Department to kind of present this utopian picture of America in this very specific site in Moscow, in the center of Moscow. And that's when it all goes. That's when this seductive image of this, Cal this Californian utopia, which you'll see when you come to the exhibition, that's when it all goes badly wrong. Shall I tell you how it goes wrong? I would love to know how it goes wrong. It goes wrong. Well, it goes wrong from the start because you can't really have this verdant overflowing landscape in the center of a city. The US State Department has been in, starts off in, it starts off in the, uh, for ages, since the 1930s, the US have known that they need a new embassy from the one they have. It, they begin to have discussions about it in the 50s. They basically wait till Stalin goes, then the discussions start. And this discussions take ages because at the same time the Russians, the Soviet, Soviet Russians need a new embassy in Washington. So there's this trade-off of, of 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 sites, the, and the and the Americans decide that they want a site very close. And the Russians wisely go, eh, okay, you can have that. You can have that. We'll we'll let you have a, this nice site downtown. And what happens is that there's a Detente, the, the detente that, that Nixon tries to introduce that under the Kissinger's um, recommendation with with the, the Soviets. And in so doing, in so doing, the the, um, the American State Department, or the branch of the State Department which is 
given the job of building the embassy is not as doesn't put as much uh, emphasis on security of the construction as they might. They let Ru the main thing is they let Russians build it, not Americans, um, and they also don't oversee the work. Whereas you look at the look at the figures in, in the, on the Russian side, the Russians have uh, although they let American workers, they've got like one in three to kind of relative of supervision to, to actual workers. Also, the Russians don't mark what rooms are for on their plans. The Americans write, write secret service on the, on the plan for what, what the room is. So there's this, this uh, whole story of the, the construction. And they also, the work that, for what well, the big problem is that they also agree to it being prefabricated, which means whole sections of the, the, um, the concrete structure for the, for the um, embassy in Moscow is made off-site. And uh, this means that it's just embedded with security devices. And this beautiful site which has been laid out, um, which is this kind of perimeter of trees around it, around uh, 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 a series of linear, um, t uh, linear townhouses, or all in a terrace, we call them a terraced houses in the UK. Um, they're all one, and so it, it's very egalitarian. The, the the ambassador is in a similar, from the outside at least, in a similar settled, uh, similar kind of house as a as a junior worker, and around this green in the area, the green in the middle, and the chancery building is this kind of relatively simple, modest, robust cuboid, which stands in in counterpoint to the uh, the largest and the final of the seven sisters, the seven. Um, sky, skyscrapers that Stalin built. I'm not even going to pronounce it in, in, in Russian because I don't want to embarrass myself. Um, so you have this process of construction which is being seriously compromised. You also have the reality of building a, a, a kind of an apparently open settlement in the middle of Moscow. And effectively what happens is that the the tree and the uh, the tree and the terraced houses boundary becomes also far, they realize they have to make it more secure so it becomes effectively a gated community so that that that's all a very good story the specifics of this exhibition are in a way uh, better than that because Nicholas lives near me in the country the crate arrived from California I walked over to the archive Nicholas was already there we started pulling this stuff out and as we were doing it Trump made this absurd uh, declaration that he wasn't coming to England because the Obama administration had done a bad deal on the Grosvenor Square site and uh, he didn't want to be associated with it so that's where our exhibition title came from and I said, uh, wow, we've got to do an exhibition. We've got to do it next month when the president isn't here. And Nicholas said, why don't you ring Clem? And I rang Clem. The U.S. is about to open the most expensive foreign embassy ever. It's in London, and it comes with a price tag commensurate with its importance and its perceived attractiveness as a terror target. Yeah, Neil called, and it was just after the Trump tweet saying he wasn't going to come over for the opening of the new... American Embassy at Nine Elms, and Neil proposed this pop-up exhibition, which seemed like a very good topical idea 
of these Danish drawings of the American embassy in Moscow, which is called the new US embassy in Moscow. But actually, um, it was it all started in the 70s or early 80s. So, but it didn't open till 2000. And um, so it's great to be working with Neil Hobhouse and Tim Abrahams, who um, who know their architecture and know their drawings very well. Um, and from my point of view, the American Embassy in Moscow is a very interesting subject in itself because, well, I was amazed when I saw the drawings because they presented, the Danish drawings presented as this kind of beautiful kind of ideal uh, community, I think, with palm trees um, in Moscow. And actually, the reality on the ground is that it's a closed-off compound. The reality was that this Entente, which the US and Russia were enjoying at the beginning when the construction started at that time, it got frostier and frostier. And whether it was ever really possible to build something so open in the middle of Moscow is another matter, but it didn't turn out like that. And um, to think about the context of the American embassy in Moscow is important when looking at these drawings, because Moscow is an incredibly historic city, but it's it's a history that is only just really becoming more well-known in the West. I think there haven't been that many books in English about the architectural history of Moscow. There was a very good one um, published in the 80s, probably around the same time, by Cathy Morrell. And then when I was at the Moscow Architecture Preservation Society, a lot of our work was about promoting knowledge of, of the history of Moscow. It's an incredibly historic city, um, and yet the American embassy has built this compound with quite little regard for, for that history. And it's got this wall around their compound and then this cube, very like the one at Nine Elms, which is interesting. Um, Rem Kulhas called it a raped cube because it's slightly at an angle. Um, and it's it's not quite on the river, but it's visible from the river and it's just behind the White House. Um, and it's next to Narkomfin, which is this experimental, very important modernist building. Um, and actually, because the American embassy built so close, it's really inhibited the restoration of Narkomfin. So that's had a knock-on effect. But I think they thought it was condemned because the Soviets weren't looking after it very well. Well, what's, what's interesting about the American Embassy is that it's got two very distinctive parts. One is the part that has the facade facing the Garden Ring, which is this very busy central road in Moscow. And that is a Stalin-era building, kind of painted a mustard yellow. And this, this building, the exhibition, um, which is this building about which we're having an exhibition, is behind that, and it's less visible. It's not on a main road, and it's built behind a high wall. And this is for the, it's, it's a gated community for people working in the embassy. So really, this, the feeling you have when you walk around this bit of the embassy is that it's, got, it's back to you. Um, and there's absolutely no feeling of openness at all. Now, it might feel very different to those working there. It might feel marvellous. But actually, part of what's interesting about this exhibition is that you do get to look inside, which you never do normally. And it's got this cube, which you see over the top, but that's a fairly neutral object. <laughs>